Another installment. I guess it's the this is the third story we're doing. We're doing this new segment called baseball. Called stories. baseball stories. Sean we'll Ned's, think of a better. Name. Sean Ned's do baseball. Yeah, Sean Ned's do baseball is actually a perfect name for this. Yeah, we're going back to our roots. Yeah, all right. You're here for telling this. Stories. This is the inception of, of us realizing that baseball stories is dumb and Sean Ned's do baseball. Yeah, it's too dumb. literal. Yeah, this is us doing some fucking baseball. We're free basing baseball right uh, now. So <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> this is. Should we tell them what this is an homage to? Yeah, I mean, we we're basically uh, uh, telling some stories. So, I mean, we don't really need to. No, nah, no, I don't know. No, the doll, the dollop is a, a fantastic podcast, and you should check it out. And you should check it out. So, we were inspired uh, to uh, look up some baseball stories ourselves, and 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 tell each other. Yeah, eighteen ninety one. All right, that's good. Raymond Johnson Chapman is born on January 15th. Wait, you said 1891? 1891. What's his name? Raymond Johnson Chapman. This is not after a good start. Why? Because <laughs> you said one sentence, and I was like, repeat that? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Pay attention. All right. I'm, I'm he was born to parents Everett and Barbara Chapman. Ray was born on the family farm near Beaver Dam, Kentucky, about 80 miles southwest of Louisville. So we were pretty close. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago. Yep. In 1905, the Chapman family relocated to southern Illinois and settled in the town of Heron. Ray was the middle child of three surviving kids. Okay. I don't know how many there were in the first place, but apparently three, three have survived. <laughs> Imagine we use that nowadays. Just yeah. like, this is my surviving child. Yeah, this is my second surviving child. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Ray did some odd jobs as a boy, occasionally worked in the coal mines. Heron was a coal Well, that's why town. they were surviving. <laughs> that's fair, yeah. Uh, he, they, all, they all got the lung. In 1909, Ray Chapman played his first organized baseball. So he's 18. In Mount Vernon for a semi-pro club. 1910, he went to Springfield, Illinois, and played every position except pitcher and catcher. So he was one of the early uh, u- utility players. Yeah. One teammate in Springfield said, he was a very flashy player, and he could run. He was a beautiful runner. The way he could pick up his knees. <laughs> he, was a, he was very fast, had a good arm, and was a good fielder, although at times he was erratic, and he was always jolly, a very jolly guy. So he was well-liked, I guess. Yeah. 1911. He could he could lift his knees. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the guy made a point of writing about it. So <laughs> you see those knees? <laughs> yeah, his knees. Fuck, he's a knee lifter. I tell you. Yeah, that's why we need high socks. Yeah, it emphasizes the knee lift. Yeah, absolutely. It's just amazing. Yeah, 1911. He went on to Davenport of the Three I League. He hit 293 with 75 runs scored and 50 stolen bases. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the 1911 season, Chapman's contract was purchased by the Cleveland Naps, and Ray was assigned to the Toledo Mud Hens of the American Association. Who's 
still a fucking team. Yep. That's incredible. Yep, still hanging around there, the Mud Hens. I got yep. one of their hats. Yeah, no, it's sick. 1912, started the season with Toledo and played in 140 games, collected 159 hits, including 22 doubles, 13 triples, and two home runs. Towards the end of the 1912 season, Chapman was called up to the Cleveland Naps. Sick. At first, he experienced a logjam at shortstop with Ivy Olsen, Roger Peckinbaugh, and Chapman. Two days after Chapman's arrival, manager Harry Davis was replaced by center fielder Joe Birmingham. This is, I love that like, that's a thing at that time where they were just like, all right, the manager's out. Sean, you're in center field. You see everything from out there pretty good. You're the manager now. All right. That sounds good. That's perfectly logical baseball. Yep. Kevin can't be biased. Yeah, can't be biased at all that way. No. So uh, Birmingham doubted the ability of reserve shortstop Roger Peckinpah uh-huh. to hit big league pitching, and Birmingham then benched the Naps regular shortstop Ivy Olson, who was nagged by injuries and had committed 27 errors in 56 games. That's a lot of errors. That's a lot. That's Reyes style yeah. errors. Yeah. Maybe worse. The Naps turned to Chapman, who hit 312, collecting 29 runs, 34 hits, 6 doubles, nine, or 3 triples, 19 RBI, 10 stolen bases in 31 games. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cleveland went 22-9 and nine over Chapman's first 31 games. All right. Yeah. So he shows up like too low in 2015 yeah, and just right. smokes it. Yep. 1913 was Chapman's first full season with Cleveland. He hit 258. Uh, 78 runs scored. That's very Tulo-esque. Yep. <laughs> 130, 131 hits, 19 doubles, 7 triples, 3 home runs, 39 RBIs, 29 stolen bases. Formed a strong middle infield with the legendary second baseman Nap Lejoie and led the league with 45 sacrifice hits. In like all my research, the sacrifice hits was like really highlighted in a lot of the stories I read. So apparently sacrifice hits was a big deal in the early dead ball era. Well, I don't know. I guess it's like getting the ball to the left side of the infield and putting down, I don't know. Either way. Good Mm -hmm. for him. Yeah. He did good. He got runners. 1914, Chapman broke his leg in the spring and appeared in only 106 games. All right. Naplajoie was no longer with the Cleveland and the team collapsed. In 1915, Chapman bounced back and hit 270 with 101 runs scored, 154 hits, 14 doubles, 17 triples, 3 home runs, 67 ribbies, 36 stolen bases, and 353 on base percentage. His 101 runs scored were 59 more than anyone else on the team. At one point in the 1915 season, the Chicago White Sox tried to obtain Chapman from Cleveland but after being rejected, settled on acquiring outfielder Joe Jackson instead. I feel like that might be a mistake. Yes. What was that? Shoeless Joe Jackson? Shoeless Joe Jackson. Oh well, then that probably wasn't a mistake. Forget what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. Well. well I don't know. That's a whole. See, other that's story. a whole like that's another, another story. story. Like yeah, if, one of us should do that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. He suffered nagging injuries in 1916 and again was only able to play in 109 games, mm-hmm. hitting a meager 231 average, only 80 hits and 10 doubles, 5 triples, blah, blah, blah. That's not good. No. Chapman blossomed in 1917 despite 
the Indians finishing well behind the White Sox in the standings. Chapman hit 302 with 98 runs scored, 170 hits, 28 doubles, 13 triples, 2 home runs, 36 RBIs, and a then-club record of 52 stolen bases. Sick. So he's good on the base pass. Still lifting his knees. Yeah, his knees. <laughs> his knee lifting ability went a long way yeah, his in his are, baseball career. Yeah, so he's striding, striding in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, 52 stolen bases is pretty good. Largely due to Chapman's play on both sides of the ball, Cleveland won 32 of their last 47 games. All right. They won 17 of 20 games from August 31st to September 24th, mm-hmm. which included a 10-game winning streak where Chapman hit 517 and stole home four times. That is that's ridiculous. Yeah. That is. So he, he, he 10 games he stole four home four times. I don't think what we had one steal of home last year, maybe two. I don't even. Know. I know we had. We one, definitely didn't have four. We definitely didn't, have, and that's one player in ten games. So that's fantastic. Yeah. They finished eighty-eight and sixty-six in third place. Oh, that sucks. Yep, nineteen eighteen, Ray's production decline. He hit two sixty-eight, uh, one hundred nineteen hits, nineteen doubles, eight triples, one home run, thirty-two RBIs, and thirty-five stolen basements. Despite the decline in power and average, Chapman still led the league in both runs scored and walks, and he posted 84 of each. So, like, by probably advanced Yeah, by, I was going to say, by today's standards, he had a pretty good year because he had a career high on base percentage of 390 that year. Yeah, that's a solid, that's a valuable player. Yeah. We know now. Yeah. After the season, Chapman complied with the na- with the War Department's work or fight order and joined the Naval Auxiliary Reserve as a second-class seaman. <laughs> That's a funny word. <laughs> it, gets, it gets better. Second-class. Let's see. Second-class seaman. <laughs> it gets better. So than much that. to the imagination. He spent three months on steamer H. H. Rogers as a deckhand patrolling the Great Lakes. So he was a deckhand on a Cleveland steamer. <laughs> <laughs> Second class demon on yeah, second demon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Imagine just patrolling the Great Lakes during the war. Hey, second class man. Second class seaman on a Cleveland steamer. But dude, like you like there was no like was there like maybe somebody got to the St. Lawrence? Nobody got to the fucking lakes. Yeah, no, you'd just be chilling. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, you would just be on a fucking boat. Okay, ready? Yeah. Chapman was captain of the Naval Reserve baseball and football teams. All right. He was also a sprinter in the 20-yard and 100-yard dash and ran the 100-yard dash in 10 seconds. Knees. Knees. (laughs) So he probably was, like, possibly a world record holder at this time. Yeah, so dude is fast as fuck. So he's essentially, like, a, 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 yeah, an extremely quick... Like an Altuve or like a, like a quick leadoff guy that hits for or that gets on base. Anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah, he also has had some bad seasons. Anyways, yeah. keep, keep going. He's a fucking so service. He's on the Cleveland steamer, and his service <laughs> ended with the armistice in November of nineteen eighteen. Yes, nineteen nineteen. Chapman returned to the Indians and rebounded with a great season. Cleveland had their best showing in franchise history, finishing eighty four and fifty five in second place. Chapman hit 300 in 115 games that year. After the season ended, Ray married Kathleen Daly. Daly was the daughter of millionaire of a millionaire. Nice. Her father was president of the East Ohio Gas Company. 
that's a good gas company. Yeah. At the time, at least. At the time, it was. <laughs> Ray's best friend, Tris Speaker, was his best man. All right. 1920. Now a married man and secretary treasurer at the firm Pioneer Alloys, Ray Chapman contemplated retirement from baseball. Yep. So now he's just a secretary treasurer at this so he's, oil he's, company. His father-in-law got him a good job, and he's just like, well, you know. It's a good job. Hang it up and just make some money in the oil business and gas or whatever. It probably play, paid better than the baseball business at the time. No, no, there's no doubt it paid better. Yeah. Speaker was now manager of the Indians, and Chapman declined to play or decided to play at least one more year to help his pal, the manager, and the owner, James Dunn, capture the team's first pennant. The scrappy White Sox remained contenders, but were soon gutted for having thrown the 1919 World Series. The Yankees were also searching for their first pennant on the back of Babe Ruth's unprecedented slugging. What year year is this again? 1920. That's the year he hit, like, like, I don't know how many home runs that year, but he had like he had like an eight fifty slugging percentage or something stupid. Yeah, it like was that. ridiculous. Uh, Cleveland clung to a slim to a slim lead, and Chapman was having one of the best seasons of his career. On August sixteenth, he was hitting three hundred four with ninety seven runs scored, uh, fifty two hits, twenty seven doubles, and forty nine RBIs. It was a rainy, dark, rainy and dark that afternoon in New York, and the game took place at New York's Polo Grounds. Mm-hmm. The Yankees sent Carl Mays to the mound. He threw underhand and was nicknamed Sub. What? Sub. Like he threw underhand as in like... Submarine. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he was like... <laughs> like baseball was different back then. <laughs> <laughs> Just... All right. <laughs> no, no. He didn't lob her in there. All he right, was a right. submarine. But he was known to throw a spitball. All right. And he had a reputation of being one of the more dangerous pitchers in the dead ball era. Nice. Mays was born on November 12th, 1891 in Adderson, Kentucky. His father, William, was a Methodist minister and gave Carl a very strict upbringing. William died when Carl was 12, and he internalized his grief. He developed a surly persona. This is this fucking submarine this picture? Is sub, this is sub-maze. Carl yeah. sub-maze is, is surly because his dad died when he was 12. So he just didn't, didn't handle it well. Didn't talk about it, didn't handle it well, turned into... A very surly person. All right. Uh, Because of his Methodist upbringing, Carl Mays refused to pitch on Sundays. Because of the qualities of his personality, he had few friends. That that doesn't sound like there's qualities there. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Just like because of the shittiness of him, he didn't have. He didn't have any friends. No one loved him. He probably didn't care. In 1915, Carl Mays, while a member of the Boston Red Sox, had a heated confrontation with Ty Cobb. May threw at Cobb each time he came to bat. It's probably not. In the eighth inning, Cobb threw his bat in Mays' direction after a close pitch, calling Mays a no-good son of a bitch. Mays responded by calling Cobb a yellow dog. And a fight broke out, I guess. After order was restored, Mays hit Cobb on the wrist. So they'd like gotten this skirmish and just How were the like, fuck was he still pitching? And they were just like, all right, calm down. All right, let's play. 
All right. Da, da. Okay. Yeah, so he hit right. him on the wrist, and then that cemented Maze's reputation as a headhunter. Okay. If he didn't like you, he'd just... He'd throw at you. He would and call you a yellow dog. Well, that, that's probably racist, but I probably... Anyways. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Baseball Magazine wrote in 1918, quote, Carl slings the pill from his toes. He has a weird-looking wind-up in an action looks like a cross between an octopus and a bowler. That's... Wow. He shoots... A very vivid description. Yeah. Writers were better back then. Yeah. (laughs) And they wrote a lot longer, I found, reading about shit back then. He shoots the ball in at the batter at such unexpected angles that his delivery is hard to find. Generally until along about 5 o'clock, when the hitters get accustomed to it, and when the game is about over. So he's good. Yeah, he's... He's he's, a dick, but he's good. Yeah. So, Chapman led off in the fifth inning, and he was 0-1 already that day. The Indians were ahead 3-0. It was a 1-1 count, and Chapman hunched over the plate, as he always would, and then he would pop back when the ball was thrown. Mays detected a slight shift in Chapman's back foot, indicating that he might be trying to push the ball down the first baseline. Well, to counter... A, he was a good directional hitter, as yep, we know. Yep. Yep. To counter, Mays aimed high and inside with his submarine fastball. Uh-huh. Chapman did not move, and many of the players and 20,000 fans heard an explosive sound. Babe Ruth claimed that the sound was audible where he stood far away in right field. Holy shit. The ball dribbled back to the mound, and Mays picked it up and threw it to first, thinking it had hit struck Ray Chapman's bat. Come on! You think it, like, struck his bat, and he, like, picks the ball up and throws it to first base, and he, like, collapsed, like, on the fucking ground? Dude, I, like, the last, like, 15 seconds, I, I think I realized what this story is, and it's devastating to me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Keep going. Here we go. Chapman sunk to his knees, the blood streaming from his ear. Okay. Two doctors iced and revived Chapman. He attempted to leave under his own power, but collapsed at second base and had to be carried off by two teammates. At second base? What the fuck was he doing? Apparently, the cl- for some reason back then, the clubhouses were in the outfield. And of course, they're playing at the polo grounds where the outfield is like two miles <laughs> from home plate. Like it's the worst possible stadium for Jesus Chapman Christ. to get so, hit in so the head. So he gets hit. Like, yep. wait, if you're on deck, you got to leave like three minutes before you. Essentially, no, 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 no. The the dugouts are at oh, home base, but the, base, club, but the okay, clubhouse. So they're where trying you to get him back to the clubhouse. Yeah, which I is in they the were like, All right, take your base. <laughs> no, no, no. Steel second. You don't, he's just bleeding. Okay. You don't walk past like the whole team to get to a bat. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, no, no, the no. clubhouse, All right. the dugout. So. Uh, let's see. He's bleeding and he's passed out. He's bleeding. He's passed out at second base. Mays remained at the mound and showed the umpire that a rough spot had caused the pitch to be a sailor. He's blaming the ball. Yeah. Well, because this is the ball that would have been long out of the game today. Yeah. Okay. Like so all would right. they all. all right. Right? They all like every ball is going to have marks on it in yeah. this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier that summer, apparently, American League owners complained to the league president, Ban Johnson, that umpires were running up expenses by throwing out too many balls unnecessarily. Well, I mean, there's no TV deals back then. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So this is like all taking place during the dead ball era, which yeah, like yeah, yeah. we should mention that if like you don't know, the dead ball era was like basically everything pre-1920 mm-hmm. where like balls were uh, uh, in play for like much longer than they are. It wasn't uncommon for a ball to last 100 pitches. Yeah. Uh, and in that case, they were probably just taken out of that game, rubbed with mud and put back in. Yeah, basically, if it wasn't a foul, like you're not getting a new ball. You're yeah, getting a new no. ball at the start of the game and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Unless it's a foul ball. Mm-hmm. A yeah. spitball was legal. Yeah. So it was often stained with uh, tobacco juice, which made it hard yeah. to see. People were fucking disgusting. Yeah. I mean, they still are, but like, that's yeah. just, imagine, just pick, imagine going and picking up a ball and just being like, well, Ralph was spitting all over this. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> the same ball the other team would use and be, oh, just, yeah, you're yeah. right, it'd be yeah. disgusting. It would be disgusting. So overuse made the ball soft and therefore it didn't travel as far. Yeah. Some stadiums were much bigger than today. So that's why, like, Chapman's hitting only, like, three home runs, but he probably was considered, like, a home run hitter. Well, yeah. In know, those I, days, right? I know, yeah, I know for the most part. It wasn't, as we, we mentioned, when Till Babe Ruth really started breaking out as, like, a big home run hitter, that guys were expected to hit more than, like, nine or ten home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a ten home run season is, like, is, leading the league. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, we've established what the dead ball era is. Yeah. Uh, so, Chapman was taken to St. Lawrence Hospital where doctors made a three-inch incision at the base of Chapman's skull. Uh, the New York Times explained the next day uh, the blow had caused a depressed fracture in Chapman's head three and a half inches long. Dr. T.M. Merrigan, surgical director of the hospital, removed a piece of the skull about an inch and a half square uh-huh. and found the brain had been jarred so much that the blood clots had formed. Oh, no. Quote, the shock of the blow had lacerated the brain not only on the left side of the head where the ball struck, but also on the right side where the shock of the blow had forced the brain against the skull. So it fucking smoked him. Yeah, no, it was a it was a submarine fastball to the to the back of the head, it sounds like. Yeah. It's crazy watching watching footage from back then too, even watching footage from like the nineteen thirties and forties when guys would not be wearing helmets whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's ridiculous. Human beings are crazy. The fact the fact that we do the things that we do, and eventually like, well, like someone's shit, like, that's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh well, yeah, we invented a car. Okay, that's cool. And then like fifty years later, someone's like, hey, we should put a strapping strapping <laughs> device in here. And we're like, we didn't <laughs> think about that. It's, yeah. it's the same in any sport. It's just like, hey, so those injuries, you know. If we just wore a hard hat instead of a soft hat, probably <laughs> that be would better. help us. That yeah, would, that would be better. And people were like, "No, no, no! I'm not wearing a hard hat over my soft I hat. Look Fuck cool. that! No, it's not even looking cool. They're just like, why would we do that?' And then no, it's always better looking cool. All right, let's keep yeah. going. So he's his his head's fucked. Yeah. So they open up his head and shit. They found a ruptured uh, lateral sinus and plenty of clotted blood. Ray's wife, Kathleen, who was pregnant with their first child, was summoned to New York. Chapman rallied briefly but died the next morning at 4.40 a.m. before his wife had arrived. Jesus Christ. He was 29. Oh, fuck. As good as Chapman was on the field, he was even more beloved for his infectious cheerfulness and enthusiasm off it. 
One of the most popular players in the history of the Cleveland Indians, Chapman was a gifted storyteller who played the piano and who once won an amateur singing contest. The good-humored shortstop had a wide circle of friends and admirers outside the realm of baseball as well. Chapman was friendly with show business stars such as Al Jolson, William S. Hart, and Will Rogers. I think I've heard of Will Rogers, but I assume those are big names back in 1920. Yeah, those would be. Those would be like being like, yeah, Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio and fucking other people that are famous. Sweet. (laughs) One newspaper once described Ray as, quote, a man who was as much at home in the ballroom as he was on the ball diamond. His tragic death sparked one of the largest spontaneous outpourings of grief in Cleveland history, Many fans and baseball dignitaries attended the funeral on August 20th, 1920. 34 priests participated in the service. A blanket of 20, 34 priests. That's a lot of priests. By the way, yeah. That's a long service. You better be in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) A lot of priests on your side. Yeah. A blanket of 20,000 blossoms was purchased by a group of mourning fans and was placed on his grave. Mm -hmm. After Chapman's death... Many newspaper editorials rallied against the beanball. The New York Times called for the use of batting helmets. And the league itself began to take steps to keep cleaner balls in play. So the dead ball era was essentially ended by a dead guy. Jesus. I knew where you were going. I hate to be so literal. but So this is... But they did. Like they, it wasn't they still the, didn't it wasn't start wearing the old, helmets the no. whole time. Like... But yeah, that's that's nuts. Oh, never mind the helmets. But like, the ball, but the just, ball, just the fact that they were like, yeah, we should probably make the ball like consistent. Mm-hmm. That that that's a, I mean, like that's not the. I'm not saying that this is the only thing that like contributed to the end of the dead ball era, but like it's it sounds like it was a big thing that they were like, oh, that dude that everyone well, uh, loves died. Well, imagine imagine a player, especially like, you know, oh, I mean, not especially, but like he's 29 years old. It's not like he was, uh, I, well, not that it would be better if it was a 40-year-old man, but still. And it happened in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's like, it, it's like the perfect storm. Like, I think it's like essentially what you're like, like just like a moment of like, I don't know whether it's the the what was it? Who's the who's the ex like leaf defenseman that or that Brian got his, Burrard? Yeah, he got his eye cut, and then all of a sudden, like it was like visors are probably a smart idea, yeah. and then they made it so you yeah. had to have one past a certain yeah yeah. So like I I like that was the fucked up part about that story. I was just like, yeah, this guy seems like a fucking good ball player. He's got a good story, you know. He's like you know. Uh, like I was just like, oh my god, he's about to die. <laughs> I do. I'm like, oh no, this is the guy that dies, and I was just like, holy shit, man, no, you've hooked me, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm sad now. Like that was, uh, but like clearly it's it it did stem like the fact that it happened. Like if it if it happens, like do you think if that happens in Cleveland, it would like do you think the New York Times would write about it the same way? That I think they maybe if they're playing the Yankees. Well, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. but. But yeah, if they're like playing the Detroit Tigers, but isn't maybe it, not. Isn't it nuts just the fact that they they still like didn't wear helmets for 
a long time. Decades. Yeah. I mean, it's the same as if you look at, like, I don't know, NHL or anything like that. Like, the fact that they used to, they didn't, some guys didn't play with helmets all the way into, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, yeah. I remember watching, like, Craig McTavish, like, still. Yeah. Not wearing a helmet in like 1998. No, it's ridiculous the fact that, like, so I, I think it's just like kind of human nature to just, I don't know, to resist change to a certain extent if you're comfortable doing something until like it's like over ridiculously clear that you're doing something really stupid. Mm-hmm. I feel like it takes a long time for humans, but like, man, like. I don't know. I'm surprised more players haven't died playing baseball. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's lots of incidents that, like, haven't really been covered, too, in, like, amateur baseball and stuff like that, too. Like, I've seen some guys get, like, teeth knocked out. I've seen guys get, you know, concussions. But, like, I don't know. It's 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 nuts. But at the same point, like, I guess pitchers have more control now than they probably used to. Like, if you're throwing a ball covered with tobacco spit and, Dirt scuffed up with dirt and like yeah, that's gonna be a lot harder to control it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Can I uh, throw some salt on the wound before we get out of here? Just finish me off. Uh, Ray Chapman is buried at Lakeview Cemetery in Cleveland. Ray's sister Margaret Joy once said, "Ray loved Cleveland. He thought it was such a wonderful place. So did I. I still look in the papers to see how the Indians are doing." After Chapman's death, the Indians lost seven of their next nine games. Well, duh. I know. That's obvious. So then Tris Speaker returned. Because remember, Tris Speaker is like his best friend. And yeah. he's like the manager. So he's yeah. like gone for center field this time. manager. Yeah. No, no. This guy's not the yeah, center no, fielder not, guy. No, this okay. is just like, a, I believe he's a former player that mm-hmm. was Chapman's buddy. And now he's he's been the manager. This is his first year. Okay. And he probably feels terrible because if you remember, he was like, "Yeah, man, can you just play one more year?" Well, yeah. Well, at the same point, he was twenty nine. It's not. I mean, I'm sure he feels bad, but I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Tris Speaker returned August twenty second and rallied the club. The Indians would add pitcher Duster Males and future Duster. Hall of Famer Joe Sewell to take Chapman's post at shortstop. Cleveland would win twenty four of their final thirty two games taking their first AL pennant and then going on to defeat Brooklyn in the World Series. Holy shit. Their first World Series ever. I did not know this. The Indians gave Mrs. Chapman a full World Series share. Oh, my God. Well, good for good for them. Yeah. Good for them. But, yeah, that's the story of the tragedy of Ray Chapman. Holy fuck, man. And how he changed the game by... Dying? By dying. Well, that was... Yeah, I, I was uh, there was there was so much to that story about just it was very statty in the beginning, and I'm I apologize for like all the stats reading in the beginning, but oh man, it was just to kind of illustrate no, how that, he was like was thing. a good player, was, you know. I was just like, okay, like I'm, I was interested in where this was going. You know, I was just like, I don't know, like I don't think this guy's like a Hall of Famer. Like I don't really like remember, and then I'm just like, oh. No, <laughs> he's gonna die. <laughs> and it was, I it was, uh, but like I didn't realize the effect he had on the game at the time, and I definitely didn't realize like how good of a player he was. So 
just like, wow, that was all right. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's uh, Sean Ned's Do Baseball, Volume 3, I guess. That's the third story we've told. So. Yeah. We'll be back in a, a month or so and uh, do another one. I got one lined up that I'm uh, pretty excited to share with you, Edzy. All right. I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, tune in to uh, the Jay Shed above this. Uh huh. And. Uh, that's our episode about uh, the winter meetings and everything. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Bird Baby Birds. And that's Sean. And yeah. I'm at. And I'm at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>